You're listening to Girls Gone Wild. This is episode 284. This episode is with Anders Varner from the Barbell Shrugged podcast. We ran into Anders at the Mind Pump event in Tahoe, and uh, it'd been a long time coming that we really needed to sit down and do a podcast together. So we talked about fatherhood. We talked about uh, working out. We talked about the evolution of the Shrug Collective and what they're doing now. A lot of cool stuff. You guys will really like this episode. We, we covered everything. I mean, there's Harry Potter references in there. I think we even talked about Ariana Grande. So enjoy this episode. Here we go with Anders Varner. Yeah. Awesome. <laughs> um, Let's do it. But I was going to ask you too, like, how is it being a dad? <laughs> it's super awesome. Yeah. Um, man. Just, just so we don't have to go back, this is going to be very real. This yeah. is like yeah. my realness of 16 weeks. Um, there's a range of parenting from like I – this little thing, we created it and it looks like me and it – like you can see it learning and it's so incredibly amazing. And my wife and I are this amazing little team and we're up at weird hours of the night trying to work together in places and times that – We've never, ever actually, like, worked together. And then on the other spec- side of the spectrum, there is a 16-week-old that will literally scream at me for, like, an hour, an hour and a half straight in the middle of the night. And I can't do anything. I just look at her. I'm like, what is wrong with you? Your life is so good. Like, sleep is so amazing. Why do you not understand? What is the problem here? I don't know. Like, it's me. so strange. Yeah. I know. You're- all they have to do is sleep. Very little rationalizing with newborns, unfortunately. Yeah, unfortunately. No. No. And oh, are you guys were... in the four-month sleep regression? Oh, we just got out of that. That's literally oh, like, and we got totally, no one even tells you this thing until you get there. And you're like, why does, why does she yeah. suck so bad right now? Oh, there's you... like a thing. Yeah. It, it grows in that like, little why, time. Why did no one tell me that at four months, Everything that I've worked on for the last four months in terms of getting them to go to sleep just evaporates. Yeah. And now we're up every 25 minutes again. Totally. We um, yeah. we got – I guess it was like really good at first because we thought we were doing it right. She probably slept through the night like half of the first, what, 14 weeks. And then week 14 hit and it was like chaos. And we thought it was all our fault. We didn't know what was going on. Until we went to the little app, and it was like, oh, by the way, your cute little baby's going to turn into the devil for the next two and a half weeks. <laughs> you better be ready for that. Yeah. If, yeah. I don't know if people talk enough about, like, the downside or the the terrible part of parenting. Yeah. Well, like, I it's mean, really hard. It's really hard. Like, talk about it from the dad perspective, because we talk to moms all the time, and, you know, obviously, it's it's something that I think, I don't know, I think moms talk about more, but more, but... Like, as a dad, did you feel like your guy friends were like, hey, this is how it's going to be? Uh, yeah, kind of, sort of. Um, I don't know. There isn't, like, we usually talk about it after the fact. There's no, like, preparing your friend, like, hey, dude, at week 14, get ready. It's like, man, I'm going through hell right now. What is happening? Like, oh, yeah, that thing. I forgot to tell you. They're like, oh, yeah, you're Um, there? Okay, cool. Yeah. Yeah. Um... I don't know that this again might sound terribly awful, but like they tell you in this like thing in like the baby classes, it's like no shaking your baby. You're like, who could ever shake this beautiful soul? No, it happens. Who could ever do something to a harmless little baby? 
They're so cute and nuzzly. No. no. They don't tell you what it's like at 3.30 in the morning and 4 o'clock right. in the morning when things been up for 90 minutes and just screaming at you. You're delirious. And it's all like, you're, oh, my gosh. You, they don't. There's no way to prepare you. And then you're just no. like, what is wrong? And then you look at it, you go, all right, wife. Please remove me from this scenario. Right. I get it now. I get why don't shake a baby is like the mantra. I I even had one moment with Miles where I was standing and I had this like split second urge to just throw him out the window. Uh, Yeah. And I like very easily. Yeah. And I was like, uh, you know, kind of snap back. And I was like, oh, no, I shouldn't do that. Uh -uh. (laughs) That would be bad. (laughs) That would be bad. Uh, But it just seemed like I was like, you know, it would work. Yeah. I have only I've had to remove myself twice. And it was all during that four-month thing. Everything else is like, been fine. But, man, that one really... Do you guys know Andy Galpin? Yes. Mm-hmm. The so doctor? We had a baby... Yeah, doctor, yeah. Mr. Doctor, Mr. Andy uh-huh, Galpin. Uh-huh. He had his baby girl like five hours, I want to say, before we had our baby girl. So him and I go through this thing at the same time. Like, everything. That must be and helpful. It is when things happen over time or like what, like the four month thing, like the time things, the little leaps or whatever they call them. Mm-hmm. Cause you Milestones. can just, I, I actually, yeah, I actually have somebody to text and be like, Hey, are you doing this right now? Or is my freaking out for no reason? And he's like, it's hell. Like, thank you. <laughs> Not that I want you to be going through it either, but like, at least someone's with you. But at least putting it out there, like what Claire was talking about when you have those split second moments, it's like, you probably... At, right after like oh my god i'm such a horrible person how could i think that but like everyone goes through that everyone goes yeah. through that. so it's like they hey you're not alone just anyone out there listening just know that you're not alone i i don't i just didn't know that it could take you that far like you would never think that and then you're just very sleep deprived yeah and things happen did you're you like, have you to, have to do... remove yourself yeah and uh we talk a lot about on the show, you're talking about, you know, you and your wife and, and doing this together. Like what kind of marriage hacks <laughs> we talk about marriage hacks all the time, like things that you do to get by and, and make your marriage work. Cause marriage is hard too. And we always talk about yeah. that. So like normalizing that relationships are hard and don't believe yeah. the fairy tale wedding BS because no. you're going to be in for some huge disappointment. Yeah. Uh, my, I think that the thing that's really, so my wife and I have very different careers. Like I am the entrepreneur risky one that feels like I have to go out and like conquer the world every day. She Mm -hmm. has a very corporate gig and like the, whatever happens in the entrepreneurial world, you kind of like always have this like holier than thou to the corporate person. Like it's just like, no, I'm like designing and creating this thing that so basically takes over your life. And then most of us left the corporate world to go do this thing. So we view it as like this, this higher calling or whatever it is. Sure. And it's kind of like the artist's journey type of thing or like, you don't even yeah. understand. Yeah. Yeah. You'll never get it. Yep. And it's like, no, they kind of do the same thing. It's just more structured and safer. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> um, if they want to be good at anything, it's going to be really hard. It's just, we like to think that we're on our own little Island of entrepreneur. Um, so it's always probably been like a, a weird balance in my life specifically of like me focusing on work and focusing on relationships and how all that stuff flows together. And I can honestly say that like this baby thing 
has stretched all of us so far and you work so hard that like I just look at her and I'm like I don't even complain when I get out of bed at three o'clock in the morning two o'clock in the morning whatever it is like she just taps me and I'm like okay because women go through it <laughs> like you guys are savages like I I have never like sh- man that baby was like a part of you guys and then now it's outside, but there's still this connection and feeding is, I, I can't even, I would love to know what breastfeeding is like just so I can experience it and know like the bond that it creates. Um, but man, the amount of work that she puts in and it's so hard and she's up at crazy hours and doing this thing. Like I imagine she's been tired for the last 15 months, like really, really tired. And to just see how hard she works just makes everything, it makes me much, it's much easier to be selfless when I see how incredibly difficult being a mom is. And I think that being a dad's really hard, but nowhere even close on the spectrum, just because of that like mom to baby bonding that goes on. Like I couldn't even imagine she has known that thing at a minimum, like nine and a half months longer than I have. And I feel like I can see that stuff in her when she's with the baby and it's just really like that mom, mom to baby bond is just, again, I didn't know I was so unprepared, but now I see it and it's incredible. And it makes me just want to help out as much as possible. Like I feel like I'm much more of a team player. Um, Not Man, hopefully I was a, good team player before but now i feel like i'm like really like just blown away at how hard it is to be a mom well yeah you're like you have to be a team player now <laughs> you're like we're yeah. in this we're in the trenches um so i mean having a baby have you slowed down with the with the business side or like what if what is adjusted or what has had to shift with having a um, child for you um everything has to be more focused yeah my like the total number of hours has probably gone down but i find Hopefully that my productivity is going up just a little bit just because I know exactly what I need to get done. I really have like I, – I mean I used to be like up at 6 a.m., do the like cool morning routine, get my day right, 7 o'clock, I'm at work doing whatever I need to be doing, creative time, whatever you want to call it. Um, but now the morning is not mine and I have to like – I have to do what dads do. I have to go and – change diapers and make sure she's ready to go to the nanny. Like there's a whole, it's not my morning anymore. I know. Do you just look back on your life five months ago and think like, what was I doing with all of that time? Yeah. My, no one told me how much free time I had. Yeah. Right. And, and like, that's, I think that one of the biggest things about parenting, I mean, we're getting, not, not super getting ready, but in a couple months going to have number two. And I'm like, okay, we're kind of getting into the groove. Like we got this. And like, I am going to look back on this and, even now having a three-year-old feels busy. I'm going to look back on having a three year one child and be like, I had so much time. Yeah. I, and I look totally... back before I had kids and I'm like so much time or like joy will be like, yeah. I had such a busy weekend. I'm like, how, what did you do? <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, I, man, I feel like I am going to be very good. Well, I'm getting better of just like setting really hard boundaries of like things I am doing and things I'm not doing. Cause there's just no time to you end up just breaking up with stuff like just not important enough to be part of your daily schedule anymore um like 
working out's really hard. You have to find time for that. Um, works hard because that day is now shortened when she parenting's so cool though. I make it sound really hard. Like it's a bad thing. When she smiles at you in life, you're like, man, that is so cool. It's, you can't even really like put words to it. It's really awesome. Right. There has to, there is that like primitive brain switch that turns on where you're like, there there literally has to be. Otherwise no one would ever have more than one child. It's so cool, man. I didn't know that it was that cool either. All these things you just learn along the way. And now you look at her when she comes home and you're like, Ah, we're gonna hang out. This is so sweet. You're so do you cool. Know, do you know what I really think about when I when I'm like sitting there talking to her? She clearly doesn't talk back, or if she does, it's like these random noises that I assume are talking. I literally look at her and I'm just like, you know what? I'm practicing for work. If I can keep the attention of a 15 month old for like 30 straight minutes of just me talking to her, of course I can keep adults entertained. Like. <laughs> <laughs> adults have to be easier than a 15 week old that doesn't even understand English. Yeah. <laughs> but I will just sit there and teach her about, about her nervous system oh, all day God. long. That's teach so her how great. to breathe the right way. Teach her how to stand. The, we don't even know how to walk. We don't even know how to crawl yet, but I'll teach her how to crawl the right way. <laughs> She's going to have Beautiful. like insane form. <laughs> yeah. Right. <laughs> how cool to be. If she shows up and she's like telling other kids in kindergarten, like, uh, you should really squeeze your glutes. Yeah. It would help with your pelvic stability. Yeah. Like, Engage your core for crying out loud. Yeah. Uh, you okay, breathe really to, poorly. To be honest, though, kids, like, you will probably, I'm sure, experience this also. The way that Miles moves, I'm like, oh, that's yeah. what it's supposed to look like when I pick something up. Totally. Like, oh, that's what sitting with, like, an actual neutral posture looks like. <laughs> yeah, all like, right. Crap. Um, yeah, the way that they're, they can just fall down perfectly. Um, like their hips just go perfectly back. Everything why, looks so nice. That's why CrossFit HQLs post videos of kids doing CrossFit because they have like the most perfect form with just naturally. Yeah. It's so great. Um, so I want to switch gears a little bit because I want to hear, you mentioned that you left the corporate world. What were you doing before you left to do podcasting? So I was a contracts administrator at Northrop Grumman, which is like a massive defense contractor, um, like tens of billions of dollars a year in revenue. And I was just killing it in my cubicle, wishing I was like working out and talking to my friends about working out and doing everything besides being really good at my job. Were you a CrossFitter at the time? Uh, I found CrossFit two years after college. So I graduated in 05 and 07. I found CrossFit. Mm-hmm. And I there was only one gym in all of Northern Virginia at the time. So, well, maybe two. One of them was in D.C., which was decently close to where I was living. And then there was another one in Fairfax. And they were probably each like 20, 30 minutes away from my house where I was living. And um, yeah, I did it in a Gold's Gym. It was sweet. There was one trainer there that went and bought bumper plates and he bought a set of rings and he kind of decked out like a personal training studio inside Gold's Gym. And since we like saw that he was doing CrossFit because he was doing all the things that we were doing, we asked if we could use it. But it was like the coolest setup ever, right? So I'm 23 years old and this little tank, private personal training studio area inside Gold's Gym was happened to be placed right in front of all the treadmills. Oh my God. All of the th- 
things that 23-year-old Anders Varner that was really, really hopped up on CrossFit was like really like all of the sorority girls that moved to Northern Virginia were basically like in this thing watching me and my friends and you guys just try and kill ourselves life. You were hating life. You're like, yeah. this is really horrible for us. Yeah, we were the only ones allowed <laughs> to use this room because we were the only people that were like genuinely dedicated to like learning how to do Olympic lifts. Like we needed the rings. We were doing all the stuff and we were the only people. So we, the guy like let us use this room and it was fantastic. What a great way to learn how to do all this stuff. Oh yeah. So jumping muscle ups, handstand push ups. We had to learn all this stuff because there was nobody around doing it. Uh, and that was really like the beginning. I was doing Fran like every week. I remember walking into a bar one <laughs> every time. Every week you and, did Fran. Yeah. Well, that was like the question, like, how much can you bench? Like, what's your Fran time? Yeah. So I, I didn't you just know. kept doing Fran. I just had to go. Mm-hmm, just mm-hmm. To do it. Um, and this was literally like right when, I don't know if you guys remember all the names, but like AFT uh, um, and Spieler, when he like invented, when those two guys like invented the butterfly pull up, was more or less within like the first three months of me doing CrossFit. And I looked at that and I was like, that's way faster than the other way. I'm going to beat my friends more if I do it that way. So I never learned how to do a regular kipping pull up. I only learned how to do the butterfly. Um, and there was nobody around to teach us. So we just did it. It was terrible. And Fran was, if you ever ran into somebody that did CrossFit, like that was what you asked them. Oh, totally. I remember actually running into somebody in a bar or in a restaurant and uh, they had like the, the original like gray, gray CrossFit.com shirt on uh-huh. and I ran over to him and I was like, we're What's your friend time? You do the same thing I do. And he was like with his family eating dinner and oh some idiot God. ran over to ask him what his friend time was. But I loved it so much. Like you were I that guy. That you was, were that guy that yeah, I, like what they based memes off of. You were that yes, guy. I was a hundred percent. Um <laughs> I probably at that time could have like given you the entire what is CrossFit hour. The like, Glassman was my guy. I love that guy. He's so awesome. What like probably the best mentor, and I've never only met him like one time. Just such an awesome dude. Um, but the way that he talked about constantly varied functional movements done at high intensity, and it just made so much sense to me. He was yeah. so good at giving that story and that talk that I just I could watch it over and over and over again and tell everybody about it. And I basically had the thing memorized. And then you were like, um, "I'm preaching the CrossFit gospel. It's cool. This is what yeah. I do now." This is 100% what I do. And my friends and I, um, we had one friend that was making decent money. Um, he actually lives in Denver, which is cool. Um, Hi, friend. And he, yeah, you guys your friend. Hit him up. <laughs> All right. Uh, hey. I'm sure that's what you guys need, more <laughs> random friends. Um, but he made decent enough money that we convinced him that he was going to help us start a gym. So... We were given the rights to it was like CrossFit Arlington at the time. I think that's what we were going to call it. I wrote the jankiest business plan ever. And in this business plan, we were going to borrow or we were going to like rent some space in this guy's backyard and put concrete down. And that was just going to be the gym. We're going to have bumper plates and we're going to figure it out. Yeah. And oddly enough, it probably would have worked back in the day. Yeah. I, I, I guarantee you it would have worked. Enough. People have been like, 
okay, cool. We're going to the concrete we slab. We were just yeah. talking about this with Diego, um, the, who's running the Dubai Fitness um, yeah. Championship. And he was like, he, you know, we were kind of joking about that. He's like, you know, in Dubai, like, you have to have the really nice showers and the towels and the steam room. And we're like, no, in the U.S., it's like, I work out in a hole. Like, and that's like yeah. a point of pride. You're like, it's just a <laughs> hole in my backyard. And people yeah. are like, dude, badass. Yeah, we were going to do it. It was crazy. And we were like so ready to pull the trigger. And it made so like we were so dedicated to this thing after a year of doing it. I mean, and, like we were awful. We were terrible. We were the people that would not shut up. Like our girlfriends hated us. It was terrible. But we loved it. And I, I, I just. I knew that that was going to be the thing that I did. Yeah. So um, is that what you were just, dreaming about? Like in the cubicle, you were just like, I just want to do more CrossFit. I want to go talk to my friends. Yeah. I want to open a gym. Like that's what you were. That's like, yeah. when, was that the reason why you left your job? Uh, unfortunately, no, I didn't even end up opening that gym, uh, which was really smart because of my maturity level was at an all time low at 23. <laughs> but um really that's so weird that's not common at all for 23 year old males right um no so the literally like within a week of it actually was like the whole situation became very pressing because the girl that i was dating at the time the same week that we were like given the rights to the affiliate she got into grad school at South Carolina and it was like, Oh no, what am I going to do? Do I go to South Carolina and go back and get my MBA or do I stay here and do the gym thing with my friends? And I chose to go to grad school. So I went down and I got my MBA and then of course we broke up three semesters into the four semester program. And, um, I did what all lost boys do. I moved to California. Hell yeah. I did did that after college. Yep. The best. (laughs) It was so great. That's where all the lost boys What are we going to do? Let's go to California. Yep. And Pacific beach is just home of the lost folks. Oh, I was on mission beach. Thanks. I was on mission beach. We have partied in the same places. Probably. <laughs> Actually, probably 10 years before you, but it's cool. Yeah. that's So that's literally how I got here. I had nothing to do. And I didn't want to go back to work. So I had convinced my boss at the time. He's an awesome human being. I can't believe he let me do this. Um, but I, before I went to grad school, I was basically like, look, just let me work from home. I'll work like three-quarter time. And I'll be in school. I'll be back in two years. And we'll be able to, like, I'll I'll be more valuable to the company when I get back. And uh, by the time I actually got back, or it was time for me to come back, I called them. And I was in California. I didn't tell them I was in California. And I was just, he kind of, like, was like, okay, school's up. Like, what are you doing? Are you coming back? And I was like, well, I didn't tell you this, but six months ago, I (laughs) opened a gym in Pacific Beach. And... I'm planning on quitting in 30 days. And he was like, oh, all right. Well, I guess we probably could have seen this coming. Like that I hadn't been there in two years. You kind of like lose touch. I was literally like waking up at five o'clock in the morning, sending a couple emails so that they thought that I was working on East Coast time. And then I would go work on the gym for like three or four hours. I would run the noon class and then I would try and work out. And then I would 
fake a couple more emails, whatever I need to do. I used to like take conference calls while I was doing warm-ups for the gym and just put it on mute. And if they called me, I just had to act like I was that is, basically that, like uh, the signal broke up. That's, and that's I would just ninja status right there. That's a ninja. Yeah, it's, we were struggling. Like it was really, really hard. I was doing two jobs and we had no money. And um, it's very, it sounds funny nine years later, but it was very, very unglamorous. Sure. And we were really, really struggling. I mean, we had one of my like really good friends, Ryan Fisher, was literally homeless, sleeping on people's couches. Um, Brian and I, the guy that I own the gym with, um, we were, I mean, we weren't homeless, but it was not a pretty living situation. Mm-hmm. I mean, we were, it was, we had like a 500 square foot house, two bedrooms, our beds were on the floor. Like it was really not a pretty scenario. Cause like you get home at nine o'clock and you're so tired and what, what is going to, well, you have to go build a website now mm-hmm. and no one knows how to build a website. Like I'm, I'm a gym person. I'm not a website person. Right. I can't, I don't have any like, money to pay anybody. You, yeah. All the stuff you had to like do on your own and do all the uh, marketing. It's like a one man show. Yeah. yeah. So, um, you learn a lot about working really, really hard on not a lot of sleep. Yeah. Which goes full circle to being a parent. Right Very now, full but, circle. <laughs> uh, the, but those days were so awesome. So we yeah. opened in 2010 and, um, yeah, six year. I owned the gym for six years and it was fantastic. It was the greatest. Holy crap. I didn't know that I could do something like that. I didn't know that I was capable. I knew that I was like, I loved CrossFit, but I didn't know that, um, I didn't know people were allowed to really do something they loved for a living and make decent money and sell it mm-hmm. as, a real product that somebody saw the value in that wanted to pay a decent amount of money that like, holy crap, I didn't know that. And now my life is so different just because I did that thing. Like I I went and built the gym. It was so cool. Yeah. So, um, fast forward. Now you're working with the shrug collective. Yeah. How did you get uh, connected to the barbell shrug guys? Um, so they, um, well, we're on a podcast. This is long form. I'll tell you the long story. Yeah, just go. So the reason I sold the gym, like one, I was very breaking up with CrossFit. I was really, really becoming unattached to the methodology, right? So if there's a single person that I think like went through the full spectrum, I am the poster child for all of it. Like you drank like, the Kool-Aid, you were so all in, you were preaching yes. the gospel and then you're like, all wait a minute. Yeah. Something's I, up the with whole this relationship. Thing. Yeah, it's very one sided right okay. now. And four You were like Ariana opened. Grande and Pete Davidson. For sure. Right. Totally. That's a really man, I could really talk to you about that too. No, please That's talk really about it for weird a second. Thing, right? Talk about it for one second. Yes. It's very weird. Let's go down that rabbit hole, please. Right, I'm cool. not kidding. One, do you guys watch Saturday Night Live? Oh, of course. Okay. So when she did the uh, the karaoke. Yeah. That was one of the most impressive singing feats. Even if like a real singing person would be like, Oh, that's so simple. I didn't know she was that talented. Oh, like you don't really know that these people are, these like pop stars are really, really talented. Right. Because it's hard to tell if they're just because they're so overproduced that you don't know if they're going to be 
actually able to sing when they sing. And that I mean, we all know what happened incredible. to Britney. Yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. Exactly. So you don't really know. And then she got on there and did that, and it was incredible. Yeah, she's amazing. I, just watch it over and over again. But Pete Davidson, he literally is the most high person at all times, at, right? Like always. He even always. he goes so far into getting high that like you can tell that his like whatever the bags under his eyes of like he's just always yeah on something. He's 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 an interesting character. He's an absolute interesting character. I worry a little bit. I mean, knock on wood. I just worry a little bit that we're going to be reading about him on the news in a way that yeah. is really sad. But I mean, when yeah, that whole couple thing, I was like, they're so not going to last. This is so bad. Um, so it's very interesting. But that was your relationship yeah. with CrossFit. <laughs> yeah. So I was all the way in, um, and yeah, I competed at regionals four times. We had seventy something athletes from our gym go to regionals. That's pretty incredible. That's a lot of people. Um, I've had some really, really wild experiences. John Cena was my training partner for four years. It's like the center of all the cool stuff in my life. Um, and then when I sold it, I not only was I really broken up with the methodology and just really burnt out on all of it, I knew that like if I wanted to be, if I really wanted to take strength and conditioning and like my love for working out to the place that I wanted to be, I couldn't be doing other people's stuff. Like, if you want to be as, I hope this doesn't sound arrogant, but like, if you want to be as influential as possible, you can't follow Greg Glassman. You have to go do your own thing. You have to create your own way of going about it. And what Glassman did is like the perfect template, right? Like That guy was a personal trainer in like a gold's gym and now his company's worth hundreds of millions of dollars. That's incredible. That, that's a, there's a real story in there of how to create something and do it for 10, 15 years. And then all of a sudden he turned, say, like 42, 43 years old and the internet happened. He didn't plan on the internet happening. He wasn't planning on CrossFit.com being something. He just followed his – he wanted to do things different than everyone and saw a way that we could all – do fitness better. Yeah, you saw a problem. He saw a problem. He saw how to fix it, and that just came from his experience. So it was a yeah. perfect storm. It was like a beautiful. I mean, definitely was not that simple, but yeah, that's something to aspire to. Like that whole process of creating something that influential. And if you want to go and do that, you can't be a CrossFit gym anymore mm-hmm. because you're playing inside somebody else's structure. Sure. And Glassman also was incredibly good at media. He understood storytelling. He understood how, like creating these like little videos. He understood what it was like, what it meant to put Greg Amundsen out there and Nicole Carroll out there and just say, hey, this is what we're doing. This is what the best looks like. Prove us wrong. And nobody can. And just because everything I have done has been like through the CrossFit world, I learned that media and telling stories is how you – get to really change people. And that's what I set out to do. So I really wanted to create a media company and, um, I opened or I started another company called moving RX with Dr. Teresa Larson and she's super awesome. And I'm a strength coach and she was a physical therapist and we kind of combined worlds into this just 
system for healing pain, which was going to turn into um, performance programs and a whole bunch of stuff. And then one day I heard that the guys from Barbell Shrugged were having an entrepreneur's breakfast in Encinitas. And that's only half an hour away from my house. And what's the best way if you're trying to create a media company that does podcasts and YouTube channels and is basically content creators? Uh, what's the best way to do that? Well, you should go learn from the people that kind of created the entire medium and made it successful. So I went to the, to the entrepreneur's breakfast and started becoming friends. I didn't really, I kind of didn't really have the option to go to it every week. Um, so my goal was really to go to it one time and find out where Mike and Doug worked out and then just go there because, well, the gym is where I'm the most comfortable. It's where I look the coolest. It's where I have the most fun. Like if I can get people in a gym, I'm going to be able to have way better conversations. And it was, it was literally to learn from them because they're, I, I really believe that they're kind of the best in the business at this. Two years later, without really, you know, I, I just wanted to be friends with them. And then it kind of just happened. I got introduced or I got asked to be to co-host 13 episodes with them, mm -hmm. which is incredibly cool. And then there was this cool opportunity. They were transitioning business plans and they had sold some, some of the business off. Um, and I was in us in the car having a conversation that I had only really ever dreamed of having with people that I really respected. And there was this cool opportunity. And I just said, Hey, what would it look like if we changed barbell shrugged into a network and we called it like they had already had the name shrug collective and that just spawned like this new idea of how we can bring really talented people into the same conversation and i guess how we have a media company now that i love being a part of yeah that's really cool i, I mean i've seen it change so much over the years and um take on different avenues what do you think now is the mission of of where barbell shrugged and the shrug collective is headed so everything we are uh doing coming up so mike has launched the strong coach and um, I, I feel like there's a, there's something that we all have done in the fitness industry and it's kind of like rise above, I guess what you would call like the, the average trainer. I need to come up with a term for this, but the majority of trainers that enter into fitness training, personal training, being a CrossFit coach, it's really a dead end job and they don't, very few people look at this as like a professional thing. They get out of college. They don't really know what to do. They move to Pacific beach they work a 24-hour fitness, mainly so they can be here, party. And that's kind of like the the general vibe of being a personal trainer. No one really is looking at like being a personal trainer at 40 years old. And the fact that we have all kind of made an actual career out of this and been through and taken so many of the lumps that come along with creating the ability to like have a family, have a house – um, be financially stable. I, I think it's a really, I think as an industry, we really struggle teaching. We're very, very good at teaching the technicalities of coaching hips back, knees out. Everyone knows that when you squat, it's, you're not, you're not separating yourself from the herd. If you're only good at teaching movements, but I think the where we really struggle and where our sites are set going forward is 
is teaching people, teaching trainers like interpersonal skills, teaching them about sales, teaching them how to set their rates so that they're not so burnt out, so they don't have 10 clients a day and they're just barely making ends meet. Um, there's a ton of learning that has happened over the last nine years um, in order for one, Mike and Doug to get where they're at and me to actually kind of rise in the strength and conditioning world enough to be accepted by them into this company. You just learn so much about how hard it is to truly be good at something and to be a professional. And if you go in and like, I'm, I've been able to go in and present to the trainers at Equinox and like you just, you get in that room and none of the people understand. You can ask them, you know, like, do you make enough money where in two to five years, are you going to be able to buy a house and have a family and have a kid, which everybody in the room probably wants at some point. And the majority of them can't answer that question, honestly, because they have six clients a day they're backed up against the schedule. There's no free time. They're not able to truly like do the business plan. They're not able to set a vision for themselves. They've never really had to the the ability to objectively view their career and their decision making to create a sustainable life, a, a career out of this thing that they truly love and they want to do, but no one's teaching them the skill set that's that goes beyond the technicalities of of coaching, and that's. I really am excited about teaching coaches how to how to do it mm-hmm. and how to set a vision for themselves. And um, I feel like just in growing a gym from the initial measly sixty one thousand dollar investment and having a bank account that was like z- zero members and had twenty thousand dollars in it, you're like, all right, we've got four months until I have to file bankruptcy. Like, let's do it. Like. Going from that to being able to sell a gym and create a life out of coaching people is there's a lot that goes into it. And I just I want to teach all the trainers that they really can do this for a living and and have a blast. And they just have to change their perspective of what their job is. Um, But I'm excited about it. That's really cool. And your podcast, how much are you podcasting on top of all of that? Uh, So right now we are, Doug and I are two shows a week. Mike is one show a week. And then we've got Real Talk on Tuesdays, Feed Me, Fuel Me on Thursdays. And it's a lot. I love the Feed Me, Fuel Me guys. They're really cool. Yeah. They're They're so nice. Yeah. And then, so, and what is that? Two years or three years? How long have you been doing the podcast, hosting the podcast? Only, so actually hosting uh, since April. And then my first co-hosting oh, wow. gig with them was in January. Okay. What do you like about it? It's the greatest. It's the yeah? greatest network that you could ever imagine. Um, so my so my role is exactly what I would like it to be, which I is like what I, when I sold the gym, exactly what I wanted to be doing. Um just director of media. Like I, I want to be in rooms with really creative people and helping them build shows. And that's what I get to do. So the, I would love to know what you guys think of this too. What is that? What's going to happen in the podcasting world? Like I, I have come into the podcasting world six years after Barbell Shrug was created. And since Barbell Shrug was created, there's, a few call it 100 ish podcasts that in the fitness space that like people know about and Mm -hmm. they're really good. Um, 
but there's also like thousands of them that are, it's so easy to start a podcast now. So we have to go and create the next level of podcasting. Yeah. And I'm really excited because as my role in the company, um, it's kind of my job to create what the next thing is. And, um, I have some ideas on how we can do it and what it looks like. And I'm very, very excited about it. So, yeah, I mean, podcasting has really blown up, but I think, I think a lot of things about that. I think that obviously there's, it's kind of cool for people to be able to put their voices out there and, there's so many people in this universe that if that means that they're going to be able to find that one podcast that they relate to, even if it's like, you know, the most random subject matter, but it connects to them and they're like, Hey, there's someone else that likes Harry Potter lemonade. And <laughs> I don't <Yeah>. know. Like, <laughs> um, have sure. you guys heard the podcast where it's just an adult man reacting to reading Harry Potter the first Stop. time? <laughs> See, no. I mean, like there's someone out there that wants yes. that. I and, want that. And yeah. yeah. And so <laughs> there's probably a guy probably gets a million downloads a month. Totally. Absolutely. Yeah. Like and, I mean, it's a great dealing, elevator pitch. Yeah. When you're dealing with billions of people, there's at least a million people watching Harry Potter that would love that. 100%. Yep. What's, and the, well, what's and, the sport that they created out of Quidditch? Quidditch. Quidditch is taking over universities. There's just yeah. bored it's like the new college Ultimate kids. Frisbee. Now, what is yeah, that? I'm not a Harry Potter person. What is that? It's the sport. It's like the wizarding world. It's like soccer for the wizarding world, except it's played on broomsticks and you fly around. Got it. Okay, yeah. I remember so, that from the movie, yeah. In other words, you can't actually recreate it as a muggle, if you would. Yeah, well, I thought, because I watched a documentary on Quidditch, not knowing what it was, and I was like, you know what? somebody out there needs to start writing strength programs for these kids because they are very interested in being very good at this Quidditch game and someone can teach them to be stronger. That's a free one. Someone go do that. That is a free one. That's a cash cow right there. Right? (laughs) College Quidditch kids. New market. Right? Yeah. Fitness for muggles. I love it. (laughs) I I am, I am on board. I listen. I am really into Harry Potter. Um, No, I think that's a good question. I mean, the, the, like, what's next for podcasting? Joy yeah. and I are constantly talking about we constantly always talk about that. that. And you know, I think um, what you guys have done with the you know the podcast network, um, kind of trying to to back into that and the very limited functionality of iTunes is yeah really you know super interesting. And, and I think that's one of the struggles too. Is it's like the world, like the um, content and the volume and the way podcasts are being produced and the way podcasts are being, you know, conceptualized and thought of and recorded has changed so much, but the distribution platforms are exactly the same. Yeah. And so it's like, how do you, you know, without being able to compete with Apple, how, you know, and like even the, even the podcast apps that are out there, they're basically just the same exact distribution model with a different user interface. Yeah. So like, what do you, you know, how can you exist in that in a world where people get you can subscribe to a show and get one episode at a time? Great, mm-hmm. and then yeah. that's it. And like that's you find new episodes, you know, through some sort of algorithm, a new podcast through searching or some sort of recommended algorithm. And that's also how you know how people have been consuming music since the invention of Napster. Yeah. And like, all right, so then I think it's more so like, what's next for the consumption of audio media? Period. Like, yeah. How is the, how is the distribution model? Because the distribu- distribution model is going to have to 
change also in order for podcasts to really change, I think. Well, it's interesting that I listened to Ashley Graham has a podcast now and she's that famous model. She's, uh, I don't know, she's one of like the supermodels right now. And I think she was like, maybe she was on Sports Illustrated. Regardless, she's beautiful. She has a podcast and she was recently talking about the Anchor app on her podcast. Like Mm -hmm. it was an ad. And I'm like, that's interesting to me because she has right now probably one of the top two podcasts on the charts because of her fame um, and her celebrity. And she's doing an ad for Anchor, which have you ever tried the Anchor app? Yeah. Yeah. So I'm like, I I wonder. I think the Anders Varner show is on the Anchor app, which you shouldn't go find. (laughs) (laughs) Well, now everyone's going to go find it. Yeah, totally. But I thought that was an interesting thing where I was like, I wonder what's going on with that. I wonder why she's, I mean, she's getting paid for that ad, obviously, but that's a pretty big get if they really want to advertise and why and what that's yeah i've seen it it's a pretty intuitive and very interesting platform um especially because people can leave like real-time voice messages and whatever it's really a lot more interactive with people but the other thing that i think is really interesting is i've seen you know i've been listening to podcasts probably since 2005 maybe i mean pretty early before they were like even on the radar and so many uh, shows, I'd say a handful, not a ton, have gone on to do television shows. So yeah. did you ever listen to The Starters? No. Yeah. So The Starters are a basketball podcast, and they're amazing. And they're from Canada. And they are now hosting one of the top you know, basketball rundown shows on, cool. on ESPN. Because of their chemistry and because they had such a cult following that they knew that the audience was already there. So I think that's what media is also seeing is we don't need an audience. The audience is already there. So how can we kind of, you know, piggyback on what they've already created and just build on that audience, which I think is really smart because then you already have people that are like, Oh, I love these guys like two dope Queens. Same thing. They have an HBO, HBO special now um, off of their podcast. And, you know, I can think of a handful of other people like, the my favorite murder ladies are like touring around the world doing live yeah. events. Like that's that to me is just so cool that it's like opened up yeah. their lives in that way. Yeah, the live events thing is something that I'm definitely interested in. And I mean, have you never done one like a live recording or a live show? Oh, uh, you ready for my? This is my Uh-oh. fantastic. My we went to Paleo FX and they. Uh-huh. Had us like a stage ish thing set up for us to do live shows, and the very first show we did, well, was with Aaron Alexander. So it, we literally start the show talking about way too inappropriate of things, and it's blasting across. Like they didn't give us like a decibel level to keep the speaker under. So, of course, we were like, well, we'll just say loud, and then if they come and say turn it down, we'll turn it down. Well, all the keynote speakers were about 20 yards to our right, which everyone in the building has paid all this money to come see, including Palo FX has like paid them to be keynote speakers. And <laughs> me and Doug and Aaron Alexander are having a wildly inappropriate conversation before we hit record that is being just broadcast into this, someone's no. keynote speech. And literally we no. looked up like five minutes into this thing and there was like three people just sprinting after us telling us to turn the turn the speaker off and we were like 
oh, I guess we're not doing live shows anymore. Um, You're cut off from so, that. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but live shows are really cool. Like, I, I definitely have a thing that I would love to. I'm like a total stand-up comedy junkie, too. Like, I really, really enjoy going to comedy clubs and watching the flow mm-hmm. of those shows. And I feel like you that have to have a fear. You, you have to be somewhat of in that mindset when you do a live show. Yeah, I feel like that that vibe that is in a comedy club mm-hmm. is so perfect for what a podcast should be. Like if you can get sixty to ninety minutes and keep that room pretty entertained in a live show, you're doing a fantastic job. Yeah, um, just having like a really interesting conversation. Yeah, we've um, done a few live events, and we've we learned that pretty quick. We've, you know, obviously built over the years. The audience is getting a little bit bigger and bigger, but you know, even from the get go, I was like, this is what a comedy show must yeah. feel like because you really have a different dynamic when you're in front of people. Like, instead of just talking on the phone, like we can still, Claire and I can still sit here and be like, no one listens to this, like while we're recording, you know? (laughs) And then like when people come to our live shows, it's like, we have to have a completely different, I don't know. Like it just, everything just comes to life. It's so much fun. Yeah. Um, Yeah. So I think that that's definitely, I mean, that's just such a cool thing to do. Um, My, yeah, I, I have a feel, well, this is my, something that I really want to do is there's so many big companies and that are doing really, really good things and they're product companies. And not many of them have access to, like if you were to have a great company that's doing really, really good things and creating products that make a difference and are really making an impact in the fitness community and you go and start a podcast in 2018, you're kind of wasting your marketing dollars. Like You're going to spend so much money and time and energy building an audience to get through the clutter that it's a it's a really, really hard thing to do. And that is something that I'm like really interested in the in the next wave of podcasting. And a lot of where my vision is set is finding companies and products and people that I really want to work with and help them tell their story of why what they're doing is so important. And that goes from products and companies to like people and scientists and doctors. Like there's an entire group, like when I was growing up, a doctor was somebody that was in a medical building that you went to for your checkup. And now there's people like Andy Galpin and Brett Contreras and Brad Schoenfeld and Ben House that are all PhDs that have been doing nothing but studying the gym. And I mean, the the list goes on and on, but how great and how informative would it be to put like Brett Contreras and Dr. Mike Isretel in a conversation and just hand them the mic and say, look, tell all the people what they need to know. And you can start as broad and I'll get the conversation to as nerdy as possible. But someone needs to give like if they just did it, they would just be another podcast in the middle of all the podcasts. Right. It would probably grow faster than others. But what if we brought two of like the best brains and strength conditioning together and just we moderated a conversation where the smartest people in the world get to talk to each other? Where they, There's something also that happens when you have the microphones on and you're having an elevated conversation where you know it's being recorded. You know you're talking to people where that conversation's so good and so rich where it probably wouldn't happen in other, other ways. And... That's the stuff that I, I like really want to do is get get 
I mean, Rogan has kind of started doing it. I'm sure he stole my idea, jerk. Um, but he's like getting <laughs> the nutrition people. I know. He didn't even call. So, so thief. Um, but like getting the best keto person in the world and getting the best vegan in the world in a room and seeing where the truth is. And that's, that's like the future of conversation and the ability to bring people together to like, sometimes I find this conversation with people to be somewhat limiting. Like every, everyone expects them to be an hour. And if you do enough of them, an hour is, is really easy. Right. And then all of a sudden you can stretch that out to like two hours. Like how, how much information does somebody have? Like Mike Nelson, the first time I tried to do like a very long interview. Do you guys know who Dr. Michael oh, yeah. Nelson is? Mm-hmm. He's awesome. Oh my God. That guy's way too smart. <laughs> He's very smart. Yeah. And like Doug was like, Hey, this guy's really smart. If you wanted to do a really long show, he's like, he's a person that you would enjoy doing it with. So I was like, cool. We were down at paleo FX. literally like two hours and 15 minutes later. I, had nothing. I was like, this guy won. He totally beat me down. I have no more questions. He's way smarter than me. I was like, but this is like, I got everything out of this conversation that I could possibly want. And, um, sometimes people are really good in an hour and then getting them outside the hour is hard. Yeah. And I think that long form conversation is something that people are like really missing. Like there's a reason that Rogan's show is so popular. Because it's two really hours long. Three hours. Well, here's the thing. It- here's the thing, Anders. Do you not agree? <laughs> do you not agree that when you're talking to someone for two hours, by the end of the two hours, you're like you're really in the weeds with life. Yeah. Like it takes but- a good hour to warm up to someone in conversation. So yeah. a lot of our interviews that we do, I do my best to like either talk to the person beforehand, or we kind of know them, or at least like listen to shows they've done. So you kind of get a feeling of who they are. Yeah. Because the first hour, if we don't do that, it tends to be pretty dry and kind of like, kind of drags along. And then by the end of the hour, I always ask like these really deep, intense, like life questions. And I'm always like, why do I do that at the very end? Well, because by then I know what I'm doing. Like I'm not. It always closes with like, like, what kind of trauma did you experience in your childhood that led you to do it? (laughs) <laughs> let's just jump right to the end i mean that's really <laughs> kind of open how, with that question right so. yeah. like what what happened to you as a child um that like requires people to like think very deeply but i'm like i yeah. always do that at the end well it's because i feel comfortable so i i agree with you as far as the long form i mean his are two hours and they're with with really interesting people yeah but well do you also find sometimes that you like you interview somebody and you talk about the thing that they're known for, but it's not really the thing that they're excited about. 100%. And I always want to talk to people about the thing they're excited about. Like Dr. Sean Pastuch from Active Life Rx is we interviewed him at the games and all I really knew about him was that he had these like rehab programs, like movement rehab programs. And he was a chiropractor. Mm -hmm. So we talked about movement rehab for an hour and I could just tell that he was just like, he was into it, but it just wasn't the conversation that he really wanted to have. Right. right. He's probably had that conversation 30 times. A million times. times. Yeah. 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 And he could do it. Like, it, he's not excited. It kind of, I'm sure the show is going to do great. Like, he's got a great following. I'm, like, people will be interested. They'll learn something. But you could tell, I was like, 
trying to find the thing that he was like really motivated to talk about that he was learning himself and just kind of that exploration of where he's at in his career. And it took me like a week after where I started like really following what he was doing and the messaging he was putting out. And I called him and I was like, why didn't you tell me this? Like, this is where I'm at too. We could have gone forever about, cause he's very much in like this coaching development stage. He just happens to have these programs that he knows helps people. And his, his whole thing right now is developing coaches into professionals. How do we make this industry better? How do we, and I was like, man, I am so on that track with you. Like, I just wish I that knew, you knew that ahead of time. That yeah. that was the thing that you were vibing on because the show would have been a million times better. Even if we get fewer downloads or fewer whatever it is, because like the conversation is just so much more rich yeah. when you connect I mean, on the thing that they're really we, stoked on. We got probably the most excited during this interview so far. Um, when we were talking about Pete Davidson, Ariana Grande, and Harry Potter, right. so I feel like those are the like the natural um, like <laughs> four months, bunny four trails. Yeah, yeah. That we're just kind of like, yeah, we're like, oh, that's so funny. Like we all can relate to that and laugh about it. But yeah. I mean, that happened with Camille. We interviewed her last year, and we, I mean, I know she's done a bazillion interviews before us, right? Yeah. I'm like, this is not something we want to be like dry and just, I mean, luckily we, we got to interview her in person, which is always better. Yeah. But it was really cool because we just started talking about how she was in school, balancing school and her degree, and, you know, why she chose the degree that she chose, and, you know, getting an advanced degree. And this, all of this was like, She's really, really smart. And I think she, while she loves CrossFit and what it's brought her, um, it was just really cool to hear her talk about like a different side of how it's really important to her to not be known as just this athlete that's, you know, doing all these beautiful photo shoots and she's beautiful. Totally. And, you know, it's, she's like, I just, you could tell that that's not what she wanted to talk about. Yeah. There's so many people that, their comfort or people's comfort zone with them is that one hour. It's like, I know you do this, so let's stay inside here. It's ab- but like yeah. you said, it's all absolutely the great a comfort zone. conversations are where you start to get people into that. This is what I'm learning thing versus this is kind of what I already know. Cause the learning conversation is that's really the man. That's, that's where like the real growth is happening in their lives. Like they don't really know what it is. So they kind of like piece it all together. They're trying to draw lines and connections. And that, that's what makes for a much better conversation with people. So what do you think is, is next for kind of where do you like, you know, the coaching development thing, but outside of that and, you know, within media and you're saying when you had the gym, your dream job was to be the, this director of media. What did you think that was going to look like? And how is it different from what you imagined? <laughs> Uh, I, well, clearly I didn't expect to walk into a rather large audience with people that are, that have expectations of what Barbell Shrugged is. Um, yeah, I just, so even when I had the gym, I knew that we had to, people are drawn to stories. Um, this is, I, I love storytelling's the coolest. It's like a, it's some buzzword maybe, but that's it's kind of like what we do. We we want to know what people's stories are, so people are inspired to take action, and hopefully, it's in a really positive direction. Um, CrossFit does this so well; like they have so many good documentaries and so many good things for people to grab a hold of in the community. And 
even when I had my gym, so there was a lot of like the live feed things that were happening towards the end of the gym. And I really just started playing with a lot of them. So what was the one that Twitter came out with that you could just go live and, and broadcast? Periscope. Yeah, mm-hmm. we did a lot of those. Um, I did a lot of Facebook Lives back in the day. Yeah, I. that's kind of just I, – I, anything that I could do to just connect with people. So there's like multiple angles to creating the media company, right? Like there's one, there's storytelling where you want to really tell people's journey of going from like the, the hero's journey. It's so simple, but where are they at? What happened to them? How did they restart? What are the new things that they learn? And what is what is this new person that they become? And how do they go back and tell everyone that this is the new way? And that stuff's beautiful. Like you can really draw a lot of people to the brand and your messaging and living a healthier life through that stuff. But there's also like a networking side of it that is so awesome. And when you ask, what was I expecting? Well, I was expecting when I left the gym to grow something very gradually and build a platform on a lot of trust and really good content. And what happened was Barbell Shrugged walk, or I walked into Barbell Shrugged and I had all of a sudden I had like a production team, which was really cool. Um, like we have a videographer. Yeah. You have like an Insta squad. Yeah. And the network that I now get to hang out in is if there's like a better fitness network, I would love to see it, but it's incredible. Mm-hmm. And man, I'm just really grateful that I get to hang out with these people. I, there's this thing in your life, right? Where you just, you try to get, find out what the next level is. And then you try and play that game really, really well until you kind of find out whatever the next game is that you get to play mm-hmm. and business. It goes on forever. And when I was running the gym and I had these people and we were making money and all this stuff and I was, it it kind of like, hits a wall a little bit where it's like, well, do we expand to another location? Which I did. And that was really unfortunate. And then do we get a bigger location? Like how do we scale coaches? So you start to run into all these problems, but you're still like helping 300 people that are directly in front of you. And that's great. A personal trainer is going to help a single person or eight people a day, whatever it is. But if your goal is to have the largest impact possible, well, you have to get into how are you affecting not just people, but strength and conditioning as a whole. And that really is where I'm at right now. I don't know what game is bigger than this, but I am very, very lucky. And uh, like, that's a weird word, but like, I'm in a position where I get to affect strength conditioning like as an industry. And that's I, I get to I get to talk to you guys. If I was just a regular gym owner, nobody would want to talk to me. Yeah. I, well, I maybe your your, to... gy- your gym members would really like you. Yeah, but you know, like I, <laughs> I know. I, our first I, I interview so... was an owner of our gym. Don't yeah. tell yourself short. <laughs> yeah, it's just like I'd be so it's not uninteresting. You're you're sure. still doing cool things and you're Making an impact and being a gym owner is a phenomenal yeah, life. Yeah, it's just if not that's what you scalable the same way. Yeah, and you know, like I can't just call these people that I've wanted to talk to for the last. I've been lifting weights for twenty-two years now. I hope that I've done it well enough to and like cared enough that I get to 
go into have the most important conversation that I would like to know about somebody that I've been following. Like <laughs> I used to read the books mm-hmm. and now I get to talk to the author. That's weird. That's a really weird thing in my life right now that I'm super grateful for. But when you ask like, what was I anticipating at the beginning? Definitely not that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Definitely not that. And now um, there's like a massive responsibility and we get to affect strength conditioning on a larger level because the audience is there and the people are listening and we have the network to build trust with people. And I just, I just want to be on the road. Like I want to take my family and go on the road and just meet all the people and talk to them and record it. So because you had this platform that you kind of walked into and you had this audience, did you feel pressure or did you feel nervous kind of taking some of that? Just kind of walking in being newer? Um, yes. And it would, uh, yes and no. Like I felt like I was in the right place. I mean, you guys have had really cool things happen to you, right? Mm -hmm. Like at what point of a lot of cool things happening to you, do you start to buy into your own story? Like, man, you're, you're supposed to be here doing this right now. You're, you're one of those people that's chosen to be in this. I created a gym and people showed up and I got really good at teaching strength conditioning like 10, 12, 14 hours a day for six years. And if I'm not prepared to talk to people about it, I didn't do my job. So I was very confident. But yeah, you realize there's a lot of people listening to you that are expecting Mike Bledsoe's voice to come out of that microphone. Mm -hmm. And he's a legend. Like he started this whole thing. He's the first person to put strength conditioning on a radio show that has done, I walked into a show that had done over 26 million downloads in six years, one day a week. Yeah. That's an insane number. There's a lot of people listening to what, who you are and their eye, their ears are peaked because they want to know what the change is and why you're the one taking over. Um, so yeah, when I took over, it was definitely intimidating, but I also brought, like I said, 20 at the time, 21 years of, lifting weights and my own ideas and my own, I mean, how many people have been doing this as long as the, for 20 plus years, there can't be that many. So maybe my opinion matters and hopefully I'm building enough trust with the people to like really make a, a positive impact on something that has literally given me every single thing in my life. Yeah. We're pretty lucky to do what we do. I it's love podcasting. Phenomenal, right? Yeah. I literally like, you guys like podcasting. Are out at the mind pump house. Yeah. That was really fun. Did you guys invited. have a fun net, a night, by the way? Fantastic. Yeah. Yeah. Like I, those guys are awesome. How like, long have you known them? They were my very first show. I oh, forgot no their way. names. Yeah. Totally <laughs> forgot their names. They took Amazing. over the show like midway through. Um, yeah, they they dominated the show. I had no chance walking into that room. It might as well have just been them two on the microphone. Just could have been just called like yeah. Mind Pump at Barbell Shrug. Oh yeah, they can talk forever. Yeah. So there's other things that like I've learned about kind of and maybe you guys have like noticed this doing them live in person, but like the conversations that we have are decently competitive things like mm-hmm. you're putting really smart people in a really structured intelligent conversation and we all want to sound very smart like i want to ask very good questions they want to give very good answers and if i don't agree with their answer 
my job to challenge them. And that's a, that's a competitive conversation. Yeah. And I learned that on day one when Sal and Adam took over my show. <laughs> and you're like, never mind. You guys just host it. I'll just um, be back here. But, you know, since that day, like, they didn't know that it was my first show. And they've been so incredibly supportive. Um, yeah. Like, I interviewed Russell Berger, like, two days after he got fired. <laughs> and I was able to, like, reach out to them yeah. and just say, hey, I would love some feedback. Like, this, I, I never thought I would be doing this. So anything you could say to just good, bad, ugly, whatever it is, like, I just would love to hear an honest opinion. Um, same thing with, like, the Emily Abbott stuff. Um you know, like I never thought that I would be the voice that was like presenting some of this stuff to the public. And mm-hmm. let's be honest, like I could, probably could have done better in the Russell Berger show. Like I didn't really know what I was doing. Um, I thought the Emily Abbott show went really well. I probably wouldn't have done as well with Emily Abbott if I hadn't totally botched the Russell Berger show. Yeah. Like there's just the confidence level that goes along with being on the mics. Sure. And the fact that those guys will like give me their honest opinion and mm-hmm. kind of I never thought that that would happen. Mm -hmm. Like, that's the coolest thing ever to have people that support you and think you're doing cool stuff. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's pretty interesting. That that interview with Emily was really intense. You could tell that she was very upset. You could tell that she was still really raw processing her emotions. It was... Yeah. I can't imagine doing that in person, like having... It's hard. Like, going through such a difficult time. Yeah. It was really crazy. I still don't know really what to think on right and wrong, mm-hmm. but those tears and that energy in the room was very real, mm-hmm. which is interesting. Yeah, it's cool. so no matter what people believe, it's like someone's having a pretty tough time and a really tough experience. But Yeah, she was there. I mean, mm-hmm. that story has everything, right? She's a basically a professional athlete. Her fiancé, so there's a relationship involved is supposedly the one that got her busted. And outside of being an athlete, there's nothing there. She doesn't yeah. have a job. She doesn't have anything. Yeah. She's just a crossfitter. Yeah. And somebody outside of her control may or may not have contaminated her. That's wild. That was so, yeah, that whole thing is wild. So, And then it makes me think of these crossfitters that work so hard. Yeah. And they're a crossfitter. That is their identity. And then something like this happens. It's like, it's brutal. Oh my God. Okay. So we got to wrap up, but I want to ask, uh, I know. I mean, is this the childhood question? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Awesome. <laughs> I know I'm laughing. Like we just finished talking about like how, you know, you want to have these like two, three hour conversations and I'm like, well, I got to go put my child to bed. <laughs> yeah, me too. <laughs> you got to go put your kid to bed. Yeah. Uh, instead of going on the walk tonight, we got to hang out together. Oh, <laughs> fantastic. That's amazing. Um, but yeah, I, all our listeners know the shrug collective, so I'm not going to say where can people find you? Cause uh, yeah. people know that, but where are you guys going to be like in events, like live in person? Cause I know you guys travel around and do like live recordings. Yeah. What do you have coming up? Um, we are going to be in LA in two weeks. So, 15 16 17 18 i want to say um and then we're doing this is going to be so cool we're doing our first east coast swing and well definitely since i've been on board but it's been a while since the guys have been out to the east coast so we're going to boston for three days uh, and then we are going to kenny santucci's strong new york event um, we've got some really cool shows lined up. I think we're going to be doing live shows and 
Um, not like live in a, front of an audience, but live shows like recording with someone nah, at a yeah, I, like I in a booth. I think we're actually going to have a speaker set up. Um, we're like the the media team company that he's bringing in to to cover the event. So it's going to be really cool. And Kenny's awesome. I don't know if you guys have ever met. Oh yeah, he's super and nice. He's he's awesome. Um, and so that's going to be super exciting. We've got Dr. Gabrielle Lyon and uh, Ben Bergeron. I don't know. There's a whole bunch of cool people that we're going to be talking to. Yeah. And how do you line up all your guests? Do you do it by just random reach outs? Do you have a huge schedule? Like, what do you guys do to get all your interviews lined up? Um, it's usually like months in advance uh-huh. to be honest. like, so we know this trip's coming up and we are probably 60% booked already. And we probably, we have what, six ish weeks until we actually get there. So yeah, probably like, I don't know. I had eight weeks out. We started setting it up and playing all the pieces. And then I've been wanting to talk. Do you want to know, Going back to the other question, the difference between Anders Varner, gym owner, and Anders Varner on Barbell Shrug, yes. I had nothing to do with. Uh-huh. Like, nothing to do with. This is purely hanging out and standing next to Doug Larson. We're at regionals, and we've been trying, like, wanting to get to New England just because I read Ben Bergeron's book, and I'm like, self-help junkie. Like, I can't stop reading self-help books. And like, which I ones? really thought... Oh man, all like the whole bookshelf. No, what are you um, reading? Like, what's the last one you read? Um, the like, currently I'm reading Principles by Ray Dalio. Uh, Do you okay. know what that is? Mm-mm. It's like a monstrous 500 pager. Okay. Um, but yeah, light reading, real light. Yeah, seriously. Um, but habits, mindset. Um, Carol Dweck. That's like one of the the growth mindset book is so great. Yeah, there's all kinds of them. But the, we're at regionals, and we've been talking about trying to get to New England to interview Ben Bergeron forever. Like, I really enjoyed his book. And we, I saw him. Doug walks over, and I was doing something, and I just walk over to Ben Bergeron, and he's like, oh, hey, Anders, great to meet you. What? That guy's like the greatest CrossFit coach ever. And now we get to go to New England, and we're going to interview him. Oh, that's he, like, so cool. Once to come, yeah, this is why I just hang out with Doug Larson. Yeah. That's the difference. I stand next to Doug. It's People the think Doug I'm cool. effect. Yeah, it mm-hmm. is. Mm-hmm. If you just stand next to that guy, mm-hmm. um, so that's what I'm really, really excited about that one. Um, and then because now I know Dr. Sean Pastuch is really excited um, about coaching and coaching development and professional development, we're probably going to have him back on. And then there's Kenny has tons of people coming to the strong New York event. So Jen Wiederstrom's going to be there. Um, She's in Denver right in now. She lives in Denver. Oh, nice. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, if you're in New York, go. Okay. Or come to Boston and find us at CrossFit New England. Find them over there. And come say hello and we'll work out together and do something. Do some yeah. push-ups, do some burpees. Totally. <laughs> do you guys still do CrossFit? Uh-huh. Yeah. Do I you do really? Crossfit. Yeah. Are you still doing it? No. Your your relationship is like have you completely broken up? Um, if I have a friend that invites me to a class, I'll go. It's really hard. Like it's a really challenging thing every day. 
So I can't do it, it every day. Yeah. It's, it's, it's actually, hard. It's hard fitness. Yeah. I do. I feel like I do more CrossFit. I mean, this probably is like the most cliche sounding thing ever. I do the, I do what Greg Glassman considers CrossFit now way more than any time that I was in the gym or competing. <laughs> like I do a lot of swimming. I do a lot of long trail runs. I do a lot of sprinting. I lift weights two, three times a week. Um, I'll do some conditioning, like sometimes, but I try and mix it up and try and do as many things as possible because that's like actually fun. Mm-hmm. No, I get that. I got. I I just couldn't do wall balls anymore. Yeah, like at some they point, like yeah. Amen. Claire does not like wall balls. Yeah. Never, I've never enjoyed a single wall ball in my life. Never. Like you I'm know little. I'm yeah. little. That thing comes down faster. Why the- are the, why is the wall ball target not like set by how tall you are? Yeah, you should have to throw it a certain distance, not to a target. Thank you. I agree. Aaron <laughs> Anders for the you know justice in the wall ball. Tell standards. Castro to call me. Seriously. What's Castro doing? Castro, he's everywhere. He's always on his bike. He's always got his guns. He's always got his dirt roads. I don't know. He's doing it. Yeah, he sure is. I I always want to know what Castro's up to. Yeah, well, just follow his Instagram. He's there all the time. No, I want to know what Castro's really up to, not his Instagram. I want to know if he's just just angry at Greg Glassman right now. Like, where, what's he doing? Oh. What's going on in yeah. Castro's mind that he just lost half, like a third of his importance and his entire staff? Yeah, that's true. No that more regionals. He, he only has to program. Yeah, he went from programming like, what, 10, like 20 workouts. Now he's only got 10 to program. Is he back to doing level one things? I don't know. I don't think so. I mean, I've seen him at a couple events, like the Doc, the CrossFit Health. TFMDL1. And, you know. Are you guys going to go to that? Have you been? In- yeah. Because you we guys were- got to interview Glassman. Yeah. Yeah. We were invited to the one that just happened like two weeks ago, but yeah. we have lives and couldn't just like jet out to California, sadly, at the drop of a hat. We we yeah. almost made it happen. And we were like, you Yeah, know, we almost did. Mm-hmm. We got a joint, like, we got like PTO and families and stuff we got to worry yeah. about. That's why Armin has a YouTube channel to tell us what, how, what happened. Yeah. Exactly. Thank you, Armin. Mm-hmm. Thanks, Thanks Armin. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, but yeah, I I I'm very curious of what Dave Castro's thinking and what's in. His Did you guys, maybe he's like early retirement. Great, yeah, thank yeah, you. Sure. Did you guys really like talking to Glassman? Yeah, he's somebody that I really just, want to talk to. Yeah, I he's a haven't. very interesting guy. He's like he has. Well, by the time that you start talking to him, he's already ten miles starts. ahead of you. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it, he's incredibly difficult to interview because he already yep. knows exactly what he wants to. say. Say yeah. and you just kind of got to let him go. But yeah. very, very smart guy. And I mean, I've always been surprised by how um, normal he is and how, mm-hmm. like, not into himself he is, which I think is rare. Like, some, well, we interview a lot of people who were like, wow, you are not a lot of people. We interview sometimes people who were <laughs> like, wow, you are really into yourself. Yeah. <laughs> which is great because it makes you easy to talk to because you have a lot to talk about yeah. when it comes to yourself. Well, I think the thing that helped with Greg, too, is that was the second interview we did with him. We did. A first interview with him a couple of years ago at CrossFit HQ, and then this last one. So we had that 
we had that rapport already. I think that helped a lot, but he really yeah. is so interesting and fascinating to talk to. And you just, he's so passionate about what he's talking about too, that you can't help yeah. but just like sit there and be entranced when he's talking. Um, and I mean, just, just everything he created, it's like, well, of course you yeah. know, like this is the way your brain works. He did it. Mm-hmm. It's so crazy. He did it. Like, he sure did. It's just madness <laughs> yeah. that he did this thing. <laughs> Like he and literally. Here we all are today. And here we all are today. You know, this like is literally, like when I think about business, sometimes I look at it and I'm like, well, you can run like a really cool, like gym or online program, and you do it inside this CrossFit bubble, and then you realize, like, Greg Glassman did not just invent like this fitness thing; he created an economy. Mm-hmm. Where, like, he is the person that is driving not just the hundreds of millions of dollars that CrossFit's doing or worth, but the hundreds of millions of dollars that other people and other companies inside this bubble are creating. Like he's, it's gotta be like a billion dollar industry just in CrossFit, whether he sees it, whatever percentage of that, but like that has to be about the number of the total reach of the, the word CrossFit and all of the, companies and pieces and gems and everything that goes into it yeah and look what it's created so like, crazy look, look at all the people that their, so their lives have been touched by this it's right. crazy it's when crazy. we went we went to the granite games and like they have like 2500 athletes or something there and you just look around and you're like every single person here does toast bar mm-hmm. like they're all doing chest bar pull-ups it's so crazy the <laughs> entire place you could just walk up to them and be like so like tell me about your muscle up and they would know they would 100 percent be able to tell you like a long i sat next this was so cool i promise we're gonna go pay attention to our children yeah go pay we're gonna do yeah, this okay. this is such okay. a good okay go. so i'm sitting next to Two people on the airplane to the Granite Games, and I'm just listening to them talk about the events. I'm listening to them talk about like what they're good at, their strengths, their weaknesses, and I could not like you know that all these people exist and they're clearly going to this competition because they love CrossFit so much. But like these people are from completely different parts of the country. They just randomly sit next to each other on the airplane. I just. I saw them and I was like, oh, those people look like me. I'm going to go sit next to them. It'll be an easy plane ride. But like the, you get to those events and there's thousands of people and they all speak the same language. They're all doing kipping pull-ups. Yeah. They, they all know what snatching is. Yeah. That's insane. It's so he totally fun. totally did it. Yeah, it's so fun. It's so fun. It's like when we go to the games and there's just people everywhere walking around. You're like, these are my people. Yeah. We always joke. It's I like CrossFit you. Disneyland. Mm-hmm. Like you are in a different world Mm -hmm. yeah and it's like back in the day you know and like in the early days of crossfit and you'd see someone else in the in the store with like knee socks on or something you'd be like i bet that person does crossfit yeah (laughs) and you get that feeling of like hey i I, even today i get all excited i know you were just saying i'm like oh my god you drove past a workout happening during lunch hour yeah downtown denver the other day and you were like woohoo yeah Yeah. i saw people doing fitness outside and i was like that's fitness like my first reaction to seeing people doing fitness outside outside of a crossfit gym was to stop honk and clap i was like (laughs) i'm gonna stop traffic but i was so excited for them it was so funny (laughs) Uh, (laughs) it's so so good 
Uh, okay. Like, really? You really see the people? Yeah, you really see. Yes, and you know exactly what they're going through, and I think that's what's yeah. what bonds is. people is to know that you're like, I know what this feels like. All right, so you guys need to go tend to your kids. Yeah. Anders, you're so thank awesome. you. You guys, you guys are amazing. Uh, no, thank you so much for uh, coming no, on the show. Anders, and you're amazing. You're amazing, Anders. <laughs> when am I going to see you guys again? Yeah, we're going to have to here. figure that out. Claire's going to be yeah. having a baby. I just am going to be yeah. here growing a human for a little while. I love it, that. Pretty, you know, towards the end, it gets pretty uncomfortable to have to move more than like a couple feet at a time. So, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I do a lot of traveling. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but we'll run um, into you soon. Well, we'll have to figure I, that out. I'm coming to Denver because I need to come to Denver anyways. Please. And now I just have even I have two more reasons yes, to come out. And hang out. Of course. Well, we'd love to see you. And thank you again for, for doing this tonight. We really appreciate it. This is awesome. Thank All you guys. Right. Take care. All right. Bye.